Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. I don't, on my podcasts, I rarely ever talk about, if someone asks me specifically, how would you handle this breakout? Or how would you ask me how to sell? And I, I said, I had things to say. I always have things to say, but I don't talk about how to trade on the podcast because it's such a, to me, it's a personal thing. It's like telling someone how to play a sport. There's general principles, but look at how Steph Curry plays the sport versus he shoots from 40 feet or what no one else does that. I mean, but that's what he does. So there's always a unique magic we all have and it's hard to, tell someone how to do that. So I think it's more of a learn by watching and really understanding um, how can you figure out closest thing to you and then go from there. This is the How to Trade Stocks Options Podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Ewell. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Today, we have a special lesson for you. I'm putting it here on the podcast because I really believe that this is going to provide you massive, massive value. And that's what I'm trying to do here. And hey, listen, if this podcast was useful to you at all, I really highly suggest that you go check out the full trading course at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Markets are people. People are predictable. Outlier can show you how to track market fear and greed with artificial intelligence on over 1,300 of the largest market cap names. Visit outlier.com to learn more. That's O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. They have a free pilot program for the rest of 2021 so you can get access to right now at O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. That's O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. Hey, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you'll be notified every time we give you more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter every single week. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Today, we have a special guest online, Brad Jelinek. Brad has been trading for over a decade now. And, um, you know, I checked him out over on the Chat with Traders podcast and I reached out to him and I said, you know what, Brad? Would you mind coming on to our podcast and sharing some of your wisdom and experience and things that you've learned? And graciously, he said yes. So, Brad, thank you so much for coming on today. Hey, thanks, Chris. It's good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Brad, he hosts his own podcast called the Trading Life Podcast with Brad Jelinek. Make sure you just uh, Google search that and you'll come straight to the page that you'll need to find. Um, so, Brad, tell us about yourself. Tell us about how you got started trading and, um, you know, drop us some nuggets of wisdom there. Yeah, sure. Um, so I think it's been about 18 years now. I just turned 40. I have uh, two young kids, so I'm, I'm getting tested at the moment. But um, I started trading uh, probably back in junior high school um, in northern Wisconsin, a small town. I, the Phi Ed teacher, the mandatory gym class we had, had a, he was always digging around and looking at stocks. And it was kind of at the beginning of the internet boom in the late 90s. So I thought, this is great. You can play a game for a living. And I was immediately hooked on that. Unlike, not unlike a lot of other people who just were fascinated by trading, but it was kind of a lifelong obsession. So it kind of followed me into high school, college, and I would on message boards and I didn't really know what the hell I was doing, but I would just kind of hang out and figure out what I could. And I rode that boom up and rode it back down and kind of had my first lesson in boom or bust investing and, and all that stuff that happened with that. And from there on, it just, I went to University of Wisconsin. I got a finance degree just because I wanted to be in trading. I didn't know what else to do. 
And then I did a career fair um, and I found some trading firms there. And one of them hired me in Chicago. So that lasted about 10 years at a prop firm. And then I transitioned to work on my own. And that's been going on since I think 2015. So I'm, in a sense, I've always worked on my own, but uh, it was officially on my own, I guess. And that was mostly futures, day trading futures, I would say, and playing around with stocks on my own. And then now I'm kind of into stocks more than futures. I only trade futures when the market kind of goes to when it blows up, kind of like last mm. March and April. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, it's more stock focused or it could be crypto. I was in crypto for a few times the last uh, three years when that got busy. So I've kind of moved around a lot uh, to different stuff, but everything is rooted in a similar way of thinking, but it doesn't, my time frame and my asset class will definitely change. So that's kind of where we land today. Gotcha. So, so you mentioned something that really struck a chord with me there. Um, you know, you, you thought of trading as a game back when you were in junior high. And I tell people all the time, it's the greatest game in the world, right? And mm-hmm. it, it's like a chess match. You got to try and figure out, you know, all the little strategy pieces that could go along with it. Tell me more about your your thought about it being a game. Is that something you still consider? Oh, yeah. it's my. Big, I was talking to my wife the other day. My biggest success has come when I'm not trying, when I'm staying curious. And I'm really, I've gotten good at it. just, you can feel the energy in your body when you get up and you're excited and there's a, I mean, that can work against you if you're taking bad trades and not watching your risk. But, but generally, that big feeling of really liking what you're doing, it brings a lot of success. Um, this is a big picture type idea. But when I'm, that anxiety comes in when it feels like work or when I see people on message boards or groups that I join and I try to do something that's maybe not me, um, it doesn't mean that I don't want to grow and push into new things. But a lot of times what happens then is it, it turns into this, I should do this or I need to be more consistent. And for me, I've never been a good grinder. I've always been um, kind of the, the type of trader who might score. If you think about a basketball game, like an NBA game, I might score 50 points in a quarter and then go cold for a few quarters. And that's kind of how I've always been. So it's been very consistent for me over a longer period, but not necessarily day to day or even week to week. And I've had to it just, it's, that's okay, but it's the way I am. And sometimes I try to be a different way and it doesn't feel good. So the game is just coming in and, and everyone has a unique personality and skill set. And I love uh, trying new things. I love new trends, new technology, getting in front of narratives and stories. I'm less into kind of, you know, figuring out the best oil pipeline that's undervalued or something like that. And I need, so I got to stay in my area that I like. It's a big area, but I, I get in trouble when I try to be something I'm not, I guess. You, you made me think of something when you're talking about that there. Do you feel that you're more of a price action trader, fundamental trader? a combination of the two, what, how do you trade? Yeah, I think, well, price action is always really important. The technicals and price action, you can't, I think that has to be there. It's mm-hmm. super important, especially now. There's so many computers and things that are keying off it, but I've never been able to just make money on technicals. I know some people maybe can, and I have some good friends who are very good at what they do. And it seems like there's always more than that to really, you need that deep level of conviction and you know, it's been said you can't borrow somebody else's conviction when your trading goes against you. And I like that because it's true. And that conviction could be subtle. It could be, you know, your kids and their friends are doing something on an app and they're all playing with something and the chart looks good. And, you know, that might be enough for you to really hit something. Or it could be, it could be so many things. It could be looking at the earnings report and the guidance. And that's more of a traditional way to look at it. So I mix a lot of stuff together. I really do. It, I mean, one idea I had, I was into sports card, um, looking at sports cards uh, about a year and a half ago, a little bit before the pandemic. And I had a friend who got into it and I loved it as a kid. So I kind of got reintroduced to it. 
And I saw that stuff just taking off. So mm-hmm. I thought, how can I make money trading stocks? And there's the Stock Collectors Universe, it was CLCT, eventually went private, but they're the grading company for the sports cards. So that was one where I was thinking, okay, I'm doing this in real life. I can see on eBay, it's exploding, but no one really understands it in the stock market yet because they're not really seeing what I'm seeing. And that was an example of real life goes into the market. So I'm not, I don't really have a method for finding a trade like that, but those do come up over time. And then that's just one small thing I could be doing, but it's an example of staying in my wheelhouse to being curious and not, not trying to be something else. It sounds a lot like uh, Peter Lynch's approach where, you know, he, I just, one of my goals this year is to read a hundred books over the course of the year. And a couple of them I've already read so far were uh, Peter Lynch's uh, beating the street, one up on wall street. And um, he talks about, you know, finding, finding the opportunity and in, in trading what you know, I think is what he calls it. So he gave the example of like pure one imports because his wife would go shop there, give the example of Hanes and the, uh, the legs pantyhose because his wife would buy those things. Sounds similar to what you do in your approach. Is that, would you feel that that's the case? Yeah, I think that's one. I mean, there's a few things I do, but that's one part of it. Those, those trades tend to be explosive and they can be really big, but they don't happen that much for me. So mm. I'm just kind of aware of that. Um, that the Peter Lynch thing is it got really popular. And then now I've seen a lot of people poke fun of it recently and saying that's not, but honestly, I really do agree with what you said. I think that it's a very valid approach. And if you can combine that with a chart that you like, um, and you're a little bit earlier, and if you're a person who's into things early, that's a, that's a kind of a built-in edge that you have, that you try things early and you're, you're witnessing what's going on in the world. And I think that that always is going to work over time. And it's not, it's not something that's easy for a machine to program necessarily. I know that. Um, people look at sentiment and mentions on Twitter and stuff. So it's getting more sophisticated, but I feel like that approach will always work if you can put it together with other things. Do you feel like you're more of a trend follower trader or a reversion of the mean style trader or what, what other kind of uh, trading techniques might identify with you? Definitely not reversion of the mean, not nothing, no judgment on it. Just it's not for me. It's always uh, more of a trend following trader. I, I tend to early, early trends, um, sometimes I, I've talked a lot in my podcast about stupid news. I love stupid news, which is there's an early trend. Um, it's just starting. So the market's kind of voted that this is a big deal. It could be a theme, uh, lithium or, you know, Alzheimer's or whatever. And then, um, something happens that kind of corrects that trend early quite a bit that doesn't really have a lot to do with the, the actual trend. So it could be like early Tesla battery fires because the battery's too low in the car or, well, Last year, a good one was um, Hong Kong delisting of China stocks or relisting in Hong Kong, delisting in the US and the internet stocks in China had just started a big trend up. Um, I know they're getting beat up now, but this was last year and that was a good one. And there's just, there's many of these that come up um, each year, five to 50 of them, depending on your time frame, maybe more. And I really like those trades when they show up. And again, this is another one. It's hard for a machine or a computer to, to figure them out. So if you're watching, you can do them. And um, it's, you have to, they're kind of creative in the sense that you have to watch for them, wait for them. And then a couple of days later, maybe uh, the chart kind of calms down and you get an entry. So that's another thing that I do a lot. So what was it like whenever you, you came out of college? Well, first off you, you got the bug. Everyone gets the bug at some point, you know, way back in middle school, you go to college, you go to get your finance degree, and then you're out in a prop firm. Sounds Mm -hmm. like straight out of college. How did that go? How was, how was that experience? Um, it was, it was great. Um, I, I, I was just, I feel like I was born to do this in a way like this is the work I'm going to do. And they had an interview and they stat, you know, how many pennies fill the Sears tower, 
blah, blah, blah. The wind is going to blow and where's your stack of pennies going to move and, and all that kind of logic test they gave me. And I got a few of them right in the beginning. And then I'm not really, that's not really how I work. I'm kind of a little bit more of a, sometimes a right brain trader, you know, trying to use some technology stuff to make it more smooth for me. So a lot of that, uh, I kind of looked at them and I said, listen, I don't know what the hell the answer is to that, but I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do this. So either I'm doing it here, or I'm going to do it somewhere else. I wish I could do it here. And then I got hired and it was kind of the end of it. So that's the start of the, the interview process. And then once I got in, it was, I mean, it was a bunch of, a bunch of people, mostly men. There was a few women who worked there and it seems to be a male dominated business for whatever reason. I don't know why, but it was, uh, we had a kitchen and uh, we'd go and lift weights and play basketball at lunch. And, you know, we had our food there and it was just me figuring out basically, um, and this is a theme that I've done well with is figure out who's good at what they're doing and where can I learn from them. And I feel like I've done a great job of finding people who are good and, and really extracting the right stuff for myself. What was it like as far as like the, the stress level there? Cause you know, I I'm imagining, you know, the wall street. So, so I've, I've worked in finance my whole life too. And okay. I've, I've, I've known many people who have come from wall street and they're like, yeah, we, uh, we would sleep under our desk. Uh, there would be days where we didn't go home. And once we finish this project, you know, they give us like the Sunday off and then we're back at it the next Monday morning. Um, and that's not the world I wanted to be in. You know, I'm glad I had a chance to talk to these people and learn from them, but that was like, that's, that's not it for me. What was that experience like that for you as a prop trader? Um, for me, kind of, I mean, I have friends who, who were prop trading that used to work on the trading floors and CME and CBOT. They had a lot of under the desk sleeping and you know, hard nights out at the bar showing up for the European session and stuff like that. So I didn't have a lot of that. I'm, I think I have slept under my desk a couple of times back in the day um, when there's something coming out in the middle of the night, which is funny. Um, those days are long gone now, but the stress is, the stress is less the prop thing and more just you're in there trading futures all day and good luck not having some stress. Yeah. They always say it's a young man's game and it kind of is for that. It, it, I still, I will do it now when it's busy, but there's just not there is much of that in me and I'm trying to kind of zoom out and have a little bit more of a, I would say a, just a balanced life where I, I value my, I don't know, my peace of mind. And I think also I can make more money zooming out a little bit now and, and using the money I've made to scale up in a different way. It's kind of like uh, the, the stuff I used to do would be like skinning squirrels every day or something for dinner. You know what I mean? Where I'm or shooting rabbits or whatever. And I would always, for me, I was always better at catching maybe a couple big days every month when I was day trading and I was, that was my month. And now it's kind of shifted to a few big weeks or a few big months and kind of just trying not to get hurt around it. So it's, it's the same, the same results I'm having, but it's just a different time frame, a little bit, but that being said, I still will day trade sometimes. Yeah. And so uh, you mentioned earlier, you've moved from futures into more stocks. Um, but let's go back into the futures realm for a moment. The, yep. where I got introduced to futures was like through researching, um, like the turtles and the whole turtle program. Um, sure. are you familiar with that? Yeah, I am. Is that okay. is it Richard Dennis stuff? Richard right? Dennis, right. His, yeah. his program where he took, I believe it was 20 people over the course of uh, two years. He did two different classes where he taught them and he taught them his rules within a two week time span. And, you know, when, when you got a simple set of rules, you can tell somebody the rules in five minutes, 10 minutes. But then you got to yep. spend the rest of the time convincing them that, you know, mentally right. this, this will work. Would you have right. applied any of those uh, now just talking uh, on your futures uh, experience previously at the prop firm? Is that somewhat of the, the mentality there where it's, you know, when it breaks over a certain moving average and we're going to keep pyramiding up or, or how did, how did that 
that style of trading work? No, it wasn't actually. It was, um, I would have never been able to do that because there's, that's the conviction piece. And it's this, for me, this is like writing a great book or a great piece of music. And you might want, you might come in every day and do nothing. And then all of a sudden one day you do a lot, but if you don't have the brain space, you don't get anything done. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how I trade in some ways where when I was at the prop firm, it was, I find, I identified a few traders who thought and kind of were similar to what I wanted to do. I just kind of figured that out by doing a lot of things wrong. And then um, it ended up being a lot of where are people stuck and why in terms of people are buying. I see why they're buying, but I'm suspicious of it. And then I can see that they're stuck and it's, it's a lot of buying, but it's forced. It feels it can't really go up. And there's a lot of really good targets down below where they're going to have to get out if they're wrong. And then when that starts happening, I'm short. And things like that, using data to figure that out, data meaning like ECB meetings or Fed meetings, and then just understanding technicals that fail. And it could be with the trend too. It wasn't just against the trend, but that was a lot of, because uh, you're thinking about indexes, it's a leveraged product with people trading futures. And there's a lot of stop running and, and people getting jammed. Whereas a lot of times in a thematic small cap stock, it doesn't really trade that way because there's not a lot of people short and it's more a smooth trend. It's different than day trading index futures is a very different game that way. Yeah. So, so you said you moved on to stocks now. Is that your, your forte at the moment? The, uh, the small cap stocks like you're talking about there? Some, sometimes it is. I've been in a group where I've done a little bit of that and I've had some success with it. I also am still trying to kind of find exactly where I want to move in that area. So I'll do larger stocks as well. Um, I've joined a few groups just to see different approaches and, and kind of see how I feel and what fits with me. So right now I would say my my main strategies are what I described with um, either getting in front of a narrative or a, a theme, you know, carbon, lithium, whatever I'm able to, I snoop around a lot so I can get in front of things sometimes. So that can be profitable. Um, the stupid news stuff I, I mentioned, um, big earnings winners. I trade those sometimes after um, a couple of weeks later. So that's been um, something I'm working with. And then I have the futures day trading stuff. If the world blows up, I kind of go into that mode for a little bit, which hasn't happened a whole lot. So we'll see where I move to, but I'm kind of in those areas right now. Mm, gotcha. So right now, you know, versus futures and stocks, what what appeals to you more for the stocks versus the futures? That's a good question. Um, the futures, besides the stress of day trading every day, I find it a lot harder than it used to be because there's a lot of algorithms and machines in there and they're doing, they're making it very difficult. So on a day when there's not real legitimate news and real players, it just becomes a mess for me, um, especially when it's, the market is just grinding up every day. It, it's not a very good trade, at least for me. But when stuff gets shaken loose, like in March and April of last year during the pandemic, um, you see real wild swings every day. And it kind of mm-hmm. goes back into what I, how I learned how to trade. And that becomes very profitable. And I can see what people are doing. I can read the order flow. And there's a lot for me to work with. Um, that's why I like a Federal Reserve meeting or like a big miss on economic data. There's a lot of trading opportunity that shows up during that, but a regular day can be difficult. Whereas in the stock market, each stock has its own story, its own catalyst. And there's a ton of different stuff I can do. And the index just kind of doesn't move sometimes, but a lot of the stocks are moving. So I kind of was just thinking that it's not the best place for me to be until it is for a little bit. Yeah. So imagine I walk into your office the first day on the job and I'm like, hey, Mr. Jelinek, Thanks for letting me uh, work with you here. Teach me, teach me what you uh, what you know. Yeah. Right, I'm an I'm an open book. I got I got no trading experience to draw from, no bad habits to correct. Where would you start me out? 
it's a great, my wife and I were just talking about this the other day because I'm working with an assistant and he's asking me some questions. I told her, I go, I seem like, I feel like a fraud. I said, because I can't tell him. Um, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know. I kind of know what I know. And it's kind of one of those things you, you can't teach it, but you can observe it by learning or uh, trading can't be taught, but it can be learned is probably the better way to say it, where you can observe somebody and see things by what they actually do and notice how they add to a trade, how they get out of a trade. Um, but it's hard to sit and explain it because it's kind of like, I don't know, think about someone in a flow in a sport or um, doing an artistic thing. And some people are mechanical and they can explain to you their rules or their machine or their system. But when you're discretionary and there's a lot of variables, you kind of have to just watch over time and see how people handle things. Um, Cause it's kind of an open world type thing. So, I mean, obviously with the cutting the losers and all that stuff, but I would really zero in on getting to know the person and really help them pursue what they naturally like to do and work from there. Because it just, now it's true that if you get good at something, you start to like it. So you could learn something and just get, but when it's, when you're really mismatched with who you are, um, you're grinding at a day-to-day -day job and you're a creative person who needs no structure. It's just, you're never going to be happy. You're going to be fighting uphill. So yeah. I think taking away fighting uphill is a really important thing. So, okay. I, I totally didn't pick up on it until you mentioned it a few minutes ago. Um, so you would consider yourself a discretionary trader then? Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. I, yep. I, I'm a very much rules-based trader, right? I want to see it hit, yep. you know, these levels. I want to see it, see these moving averages crossover. Sure. Um, I couldn't do the way you do it. Right. So, so walk me mentally through, like, you know, what, what would you tell somebody like me who, who's, who I've got a list of rules, right. And I want to see it hit X, Y, and Z all the way down. And, and to me, when you're like, do it, I'm like, what are you yeah. talking about? I, I, there's no possible yeah. way I could comprehend that. <clears throat> yeah. I have some good, I have some stuff to say about that. I think first of all, um, there's, it's great that you found, I, I have been making more rules and more checklists for myself because sometimes I need to have a little structure around the chaos. So there's this, there's this in, intuition and this knowing and this feeling like I'm in the right area. And then I, I do narrow it down. I do use moving averages. I like when the bars get narrow, I like, um, you know, it's strong when the market is weak or, I pay attention to a lot of that stuff within my bigger framework. So I might say, I really like this area. I think these cryptos are really beat up. I see my brother is buying these NFTs and he's talking on clubhouse all day. This is like a, at the beginning of the year. So I'm like, okay, I need to look at this Ethereum stuff again. I was in it in 2017. It might be time to look back into it. And so I have this loose structure and all these things that I like. And then I start looking in at a little bit more rules. How can I enter in a really clean spot where my risk is low? Absolutely. I do. Um, I don't base my trade on because if I just looked at those variables and applied them to every chart, I would have 4,000 charts and then maybe 800 possible ones. And I can't, I get lost. Yeah. So it's kind of, I start with the idea. Um, that's why I'm working with earnings winners as a basket and then stupid news as a basket. And then in those baskets, I narrow down and start getting a little bit more rules based like you are mm. within my, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, I certainly am not saying that this is the way to trade. It's just the way that works for me, right? Yeah. Because um, there's so sure. many times where I've gotten into a trade and um, like, a re you know, early on in the trade, uh, er early on in my trading career, I blew up my account twice. And I'm so open about it because <clears throat> I remember the two trades that it happened with. One of them was the uh, the presidential election where Trump won. And um, I, I, I had the wrong, I had the right idea, but the wrong trade on. And um, in the process, I blew up my account doing it. And uh, 
it took those, those hard lessons that I like to call the wall street tuition to where it's like, okay, I need to see this criteria happen in order to make uh, this move. Right. I need to see this moving average uh, crossed above in order to put this trade on. And conversely, I need to see the price uh, no longer moving in my direction and, and falling through back through the moving average in order to, uh, to get out. So what are some of your sell rules there, especially since you're a discretionary trader, I'm very interested to hear that. Yeah, the sell rules are some of the, so what I learned in futures is that selling wasn't that important in futures because during the day, I would just kind of click out when it would get heavy in the order flow. I'd just click out. I'd say, this is a good trade. I made my money. I click out. In stocks, it's much tougher because it gaps up. It runs down the first half hour. It can disappear really quickly. And when you're in it for many days or weeks, you can get complacent when it goes your way and then you miss your sell spot. So um I, I'm in a group with Jesse Stein who wrote a stock book and I've used some of his sell rules and they've been pretty useful to me. And some of them I'll share. Um, one of them is, so uh, looking at like a 10 week moving average on a stock, when something initially breaks out, I don't really care. I just stay in it. But when it starts the second or third advance and it gets to be like 50, 60, 70% over a 10 week moving average, usually two things can happen down or sideways. So at that point I, I loosen up. I, I, I cut my position in half. I get out of my position totally. Um, so that's been a really good one that, that, and sometimes stuff keeps running away, but it really helps me keep a lot of what I made. The other one is sentiment. I really, I was in some crypto trades earlier in the year and I noticed my neighbors were, you know, who don't know anything about the markets, want to buy, want to open Coinbase accounts. I look sure enough, 60, 70% over the 10 week moving averages and all the big coins. So I just got out because I thought this is sideways or down. And I didn't know it was going to crash two weeks later, but it's just not a good, it's a good practice to think about something like that. Unless you're a thematic investor for many years, um, which I'm not really doing that long, then I need to, I need to really pay, pay attention and get out when things like that happen. So that's, that's one that I use uh, quite a bit. Um, otherwise, like I'll just look at regular technicals like everyone else does, top of trend explosions to the top of trend channels. When everyone's excited, time to get out. Um, things like that, you know, it's bounced off a certain moving average that everyone's following like for the sixth time on good news, time to get out. Um, stuff like that. It's running way up into earnings after three good reports, time to get out. You know, I, things like that I look at. Let me ask you a question. Um, what was your, your friend's name who wrote the book? I want to uh, pull it up on Amazon here and put the link yes. down below. Yes. Jesse Stein, S-T-I-N-E. His book is really good uh, in terms of sell rules. And he's just got a good book about, he, he thinks, I like to think about the, the news cycle the same way he does. And he's good at describing it in his book. So that, uh, what's his book called? Um, it's called Insider Buy Super Stocks. Insider Buy Super. Uh, Insider Buy Super Stocks by Jesse C. Stein. Got it. Okay. Yep. And we'll have yep. that link down below. So Great. tell me, what are some of your books that you uh, have enjoyed and learned from uh, as you're, you're growing as a trader? Yeah. Um, boy, back in the day, I read just about everything. Uh, the market wizards are always my favorite. It's always, yeah. the, you know, you always learn the most through stories. I, I never learn. I don't, on my podcasts, I rarely ever talk about, if someone asks me specifically, how would you handle this breakout? Or how would you ask me how to sell? And I, I said, I had things to say. I always have things to say, but I don't talk about how to trade on the podcast because it's such a, to me, it's a personal thing. It's like telling someone how to play a sport. There's general principles, but look at how Steph Curry plays the sport versus he shoots from 40 feet or what no one else does that. I mean, but that's what he does. So there's always a unique magic we all have. And it's hard to tell someone how to do that. 
So I think it's more of a learn by watching and really understanding um, how can you figure out closest thing to you and then go from there. So uh, book wise, I read a lot of, if I can see interviews with people and examples of how they handled trades, examples of um, situations that they got through and how they got through them, examples of how they learned new things, how they got out of a really tough period that benefits me more, I feel than um, cause the other stuff changes a lot. I mean, markets go in and out of 2020 was just by the highs, by the breakouts. There's a lot of neglect this year. It's a lot of shaking out and stopping people out. Yeah. So there's no really how to, except for really understanding the landscape is changing and it's always going to be, you're always going to be adapting to a different landscape. So I should probably talk a little bit more about um, maybe how I handle some of that stuff. I could do that, but um, sure. it, it's, it, it's just, I mean, really it's, I mean, thinking about this year going into the year, I know a lot of new retail money came into the market. Mm-hmm. So there's tons of excited new traders and they had saw one thing really is that we go up all the time. So looking at all those sexy stocks with like the, the ARK, ARKK investments mm-hmm. and all that mm-hmm. stuff, you see a lot of like, you see the move and then it comes back. You see the move and it comes back. And that didn't really surprise me. So it, and then there's a period where it looks good again and then it doesn't. And that's kind of the year we're having. And it, we'll see when it changes, but it's a, it's a different environment right now. It's a little more normal, I would say. Hmm. Oh, okay. More normal. I got you. <clears throat> yeah. I, uh, I'm also a huge fan of the market wizard books. Like I said earlier, um, I've been just like consuming books this year. And, um, one of my favorite quotes, like as soon as I heard it, I had to tell my wife, cause it was just so funny to me. It was in the uh, hedge fund market wizards book. And I, I forget. That's which... my favorite. Yeah. That one was great. Yeah, I love that one. Oh, um, yeah. I forget who it was, but one of the uh, one of the people profiled in there said that he uh, started his hedge fund. He's working from home. You know, the first couple of months he started and he made something like twenty five thousand dollars in a single day or maybe it was thirty five either way. And he uh, went into the kitchen and I am I, like picturing myself as this happens because I, I know exactly what he's going through. He walks in the kitchen and he tells his wife, I just made thirty five thousand dollars. How do you like that? She goes. Oh, that's nice. But can you take the trash out? And yeah. he's walking out. He's he's holding the trash. He's walking it out. And he says, I'm the master of the effing universe. And I still have to take out the trash. This is, yeah, this is ridiculous. And like, I am totally in that space because that's exactly where my wife is at. When I talk numbers, yeah. she glazes over faster than a donut. I mean, she is good just not you. into yeah. it whatsoever. And uh, yeah, exactly. The good for you, you know. That's how my uh, wife is too. Is she's yeah. not attached to it at all, which I guess is good. But yeah, it's, I know. Yeah. So I just, I, I love that story so much because I, I am in that person's shoes. And uh, yeah, that that was of all the Market Wizard books, that that one's my my top favorite just for that story. <laughs> I love that story. So, yeah, that's, oh, go ahead. I can give you a few books that I do like though. Sure, yeah, um, please do. I didn't, I didn't really answer that. I love The Art of Learning by Josh Waitzkin. The Art um, of, is that a trading book? No, but it's really, it's, it's, it's very much the same as what a trader would have to go through. Um, that's the kind of stuff I enjoy is the, the process of learning and adapting. So I, I actually read it twice. I liked it so much. Gotcha. We'll have that link down below as well. I'm pulling these up on Amazon, so I don't forget as yep. you're saying. What yep. else? Um, I love a cool little uh, unheard of book is called the 12 habitudes of highly successful traders by Ruth Barron's Roosevelt. It's a little pamphlet. It's a little pamphlet, um, maybe 50 pages. And it just kind of sets your head straight when you're in a tailspin. Check that one out. It's a little blue and black by Ruth Barron's Roosevelt. Got it. Yep. That's a good one. Um, That'll be down below um, as well. uh, My own story by Bernard Baruch is an oldie. Um, 
it's, I don't know if it's written in the sixties or this is a guy who was, um, had a business background and got into trading and he has so many really good stories that just show kind of you know, mistakes and successes. And I learned a lot through something like that, even more than a how-to book. Oh, so that no. was a good one too. Those are great. You're adding things to my reading queue. So I'm excited yeah. about this. <laughs> yeah. I got, I mean, I probably have so many more books if we talk offline that I'm not thinking of now, but those come to mind as ones that I really enjoyed. Super cool. All right. So, so you are also a masochist like myself and you uh, have a podcast. You've got, as of the time of this filming, 164 episodes showing up in iTunes. Uh, I say masochist because it's not something, how, how should I say this? Whenever you decide to do something, you got to commit. That's how I feel. We're yeah. 500 plus episodes deep at this point. And obviously I'm committed. You're obviously committed. You know, every once in a while you find a person that's like, oh yeah, I had a podcast and I had like six episodes they ever did, but you, you committed. So tell me, I committed to it. yeah. Tell me what went through your mind going through and deciding I'm going to start being a podcast creator, producer, content creator here. Yeah. Um, well, a couple of things. First of all, is just be more of a creator, less of a consumer, just do it. Um, that was one thing that went through my mind. Um, just kind of wanted to do that. And the other thing is I tried a lot of different, I tried to blog. I don't really like writing. Um, I, I, I didn't, it just didn't go well with me. I like the audio the best. Um, we're doing video now, which is great too. I haven't done as much video, but I like audio a lot. And I like to just pick it up when I'm on a walk or I'm having a moment free with my kids and just talk about something I went through. And it's really simple. I don't have to edit it. And the bar to production is so low. So I can just keep doing it and doing it every day. And it's, it's enjoyable for me. I've met a lot of really cool people through it. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I'll spruce it up at some point with some show notes or some charts. I haven't really put much time into it. I've just kind of done it for myself, honestly. And just to, just to share a little bit with what I'm going through. But um, keeping the bar low was huge for me. So just chattering on, on that, on that anchor app, whenever I felt like it is so simple. I mean, it, yeah. that thing is, I mean, it's, that's what that I a real, yeah. it was so easy and it, I didn't want to edit, I'd edit things as much. Um, I have this more certain podcasts you have to edit. I understand, but yeah, I just kind of go on there and chat and talk. And I, I would love people to send more questions or things, but I, I haven't really looked at people to interview just because uh, I just keep the bar low right now. No, it's all good. So, so you, um, I had a question here. So when you started the podcast, like mm -hmm. what, oh, that's not even the question I was going to ask. Dang it. It's left me, but it'll come back. No, it'll um, come back. no it's all good. But yeah, for me, I, I do three episodes a week and every Friday is my, my interview. And I love it because I get a chance to talk with so many people and I, selfishly, it has totally changed my trading, my trading where I was, where I started in December, 2018 to today, two different worlds. And I would have looked at myself in December, 2018, looking to today, I'd say, that's no way that that works. And I'm looking back at myself and I'm like, this is why it didn't work. Right. And it's right. in the process, being able to meet and learn and really, you know, absorb from all these uh, professional traders uh, like yourself. And, and I've had some of the uh, market wizards on and the idea that we can, uh, we're so blessed in today's world that we can actually do that. Right. Cause like, imagine, you know, 50 years ago, our parents' generation, um, where if they wanted to learn, they'd have to go to like the library and find the right trading book. And if, if the book wasn't there in the library, they might go to the other town or they just might just say, man, eh, never mind. But today we can right. pull up a podcast, you know, hundreds of different podcasts and talk to all kinds of different people and listen to them. And one of my favorite quotes 
is from uh, Tim Ferriss. And he says, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. And today we can choose that, right? It doesn't yeah. have to be your, your five neighbors. It can literally be, you know, Brad and Chris and Mark Minervini and whoever else you want to put in your head all day long. And I, we're so fortunate for that. I love that. I think, and I was just thinking when you were talking about how much benefit you must have gotten from talking to so many people oh, yeah. and interviewing them. And even, I haven't even, I haven't gotten near the taste of that because I'm talking with myself, but that's huge this day and age. If you can take advantage of that information and, and learn and observe other people and see if it works for you. And, and just, I've met so many people through my podcast. I can only imagine what you've done. I mean, you've well, talked to way more people than I have. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many interviews I've done, probably 150 maybe. Um, but the, I didn't realize how much of an impact they would have it on me as the host, right? Just talking to the people. I thought it was mainly just the conduit to get, you know, to answer the questions. But then, you know, I'd, I'd hear from somebody and he's like, follow the 10 day exponential movie average. If you do nothing else, just follow that. And that stuck with me, right? Like that, that seed of doubt, right? And it's like going back in the back of my mind, like, that's interesting. Let me check this out. And then the idea of back testing, um, which I know would be hard to do discretionary, discretionarily, but. Um, that's a lot of the, uh, what I do when I put on traits, I do some back testing before I put them on. And it's like the, uh, the amount of information that I absorbed was way more than I ever expected. And like I say, drastically, completely overhauled the way I treat. I mean, like I went from, here's how I would trade. Are you ready? Like, this is why I blew up my account twice. Specifically one time. I remember I didn't blow up my account here, but it was such a bonehead trade. I was uh, taking my son to the library. I pulled up my phone. I saw the queues were up that day. And this is back in that time, you know, when stocks only went up. So I saw the queues were up that day. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to sell some calls against that because it has to come down. Right. At no point in time did it ever go even one penny below. I saw at that point and just like just a whole big loser trade. And some of the people that I would follow at the time say, you know what, when you sell options, just roll them. Eventually it'll come back, roll it forever. And I did that and I did that and I did that. And at some point it's like, you got to just throw on the towel and looking from where I am now back at that, I'm like, you're trading against the trend. You're trading naked. You have no plan. You had no plan to enter. You have no plan to exit. You don't know what you're doing. It, it, I mean, you're, you're literally at the library making a whim decision. Like, oh, I'm going to short this market. That's obviously going up. So yeah, just that kind of stuff, uh, yeah. the, the experience of having the podcast and just hearing, you know, other people helped me so much. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm way, way blessed to be able to have had that experience. So yeah, I'd recommend you know, I, that for you as well to check out some guests. Yeah. So real quick here, I have a story to share on that. Um, first of all, on your part about uh, back testing, I kind of do that too. I look at, I label um, the charts with the strategy I'm using. And at the end of the year or at the six month mark, I go back and I I look at all of them and see why they worked, why they didn't. And I start to do some work on, so uh, there is a back testing in a way, um, not it's more looking over my results and trying to figure out how can the strategy be better? How far did they go when they work? Why do they not work and that stuff? So I do that. Um, in terms of the NASDAQ thing you did, I have a friend who sells insurance like that on calls naked and he can keep rolling them and he's real calm. My personality does not work that way. I start freaking out in a couple of days when that stuff's going against me and I cannot sit through it. So I had to just quit that. Um, last year, uh, the beginning of the year, I had caught Tesla long and then I flipped short because I justified it because it was going up on just dumb news that made no sense, stock splits and stupid stuff. And I got, I just got ripped on, I uh, gave back all my lawns and took a huge hit to my account. And yeah. I thought, what, what the hell are you doing being in this? And I just got stuck in it. 
And that was a big lesson to me of just, I justified it by a bunch of things. And I kind of got, I, my stupid new strategy works really well when it's with the trend, but I started doing that against the trend. And uh, yeah, I got, I paid the price on that too. And you think I should know better? I, I mean, I'm thinking I know better. I've been doing this long enough. Don't do this stuff. And sure as hell, here I am getting stuck in it. So it happens sometimes. And, but those lessons, they sting and you're going to remember them next time. When you, I mean, who doesn't go through that? Anybody does yeah. who's been here a long time. Absolutely. And that's what, in my opinion, makes the difference between someone who's successful and somebody who just runs away, right? They, they see that they've made a mistake or they see what they could have done differently. And then they adjust. They don't say the market was against me. It's all everybody else's fault. I'm going to throw my hands up in the air. Right. I just don't care. And you know, it's, it's not my responsibility to learn. But then you've got people like you and I who objectively take a look and say, you know, this trade was a loser. Why was it a loser? What could I do differently next time to number one, not have the loser. Number two, not put on the trade or number three, cut the loss even shorter. So I think that takes a lot of discipline and, and that's the, the difference in somebody who will be successful in this game and somebody who's just playing it and will eventually leave. It does. And when you're trading within your size limits, you can do that. It's when oh, you yeah. get too big, when you get too big, you get that apathy that sets in after and you, you, you almost want to just hide from it. You don't want to, you can't look at it for a while. So I sizing is a really tricky thing because I like to size a lot bigger when I like stuff, but sometimes I size really big on something I love. And I'm so big for my account that I can't quite hold it. And then it works. And I took a decent loser and that's a tough one. And I, so I have to be careful to enter kind of a medium sized position and add to it when it starts working. Um, that's a lot better strategy for me than getting in big right away. Just never seems to work well for me. Uh, it seems to be, I need to massage my way in. Okay. Okay. How do you determine your size? Um, I determine, I usually don't go, um, I have a percentage that I don't go, you know, usually for me, like I don't go have or have more than a 20% uh, of my account in one stock. And that's usually a big position if I do that. Gotcha. Um, so I, I like to kind of work my way into it where I, I test it. I do a little more and then if it gets a little weak on me, it kind of can watch it and see, and then it starts to get strong again. And I, okay, I think I got this and I'll add some more versus just bam, I'm in. It doesn't really used to, it doesn't work that way well for me to just hit it and get out because it, there's always usually that extra squeeze out or some kind of a something I didn't see coming and then I need to be able to withstand some of that um, so this, this a lot of times the stop is not as important if the size is small you can sit through stuff um, mm -hmm. but you know a really obvious stop that everyone else is going to see with big size they're pretty much going to take you out on that stop before it goes so it's just the way it works now so it's I have to be cognizant of that as I'm, and a lot of times too, it's way easier to add when the dam breaks and it starts going your way. And it'll yes. have that kind of, you know, yeah. it just, it, you, it's like the wind is at your back. So I, I just have learned to, it's nice to buy it lower, but sometimes I, I just, it's going to have to be a little bit higher and the, the lower position will be a starter position. I, so the way that I position size, I actually learned from the, uh, it, it's a book called the complete turtle trader by Michael Covell. Um, mm -hmm. and so this is about the, the turtles that we mentioned earlier, basically they would put on, um, what they called a, an, an in, um, but in reality it's one ATR and the ATR is just over the last 14 days, you know, what's the average true range. Right. And so their sure. idea is to put on, um, what is it exactly? It, it's something like how much percent it would take to take out 2% of your account is how many shares to buy. And uh, that's, I've got it all formulated now, so I don't remember the, the formula off the top of my head, but um, 
that's how I work. I'll put on one size and, and I tell people like this works so well for me, especially for like somebody who's never traded before. It's like, I, I put on a trade. If it works for me, I'm going to add. And then I'm going to add, I'm going to add up to five units. And uh, once we're at the fifth unit, I'm not going to add anymore. And I'm only going to take it off once it turns around. But if the trade doesn't work, I've only put on one unit and it goes against me. I'm actually going to lose on my smallest size of the trade because I'm not going to lose on the five because I already have my, my exit point established, but I'm only going to lose on the one unit size. And I mean, that was such a, a groundbreaking discovery once I learned that how, how important position sizing was, how you can scale into the trade when it's working for you, like you said, right? Averaging up. Um, and then, you know, Paul Tudor Jones has that, that great picture of him sitting in front of a uh, the, the sign that says losers, average losers. I love that. And, and yeah. I, I never considered that. I never, like even early on in my trading days, the idea of adding to a trade that wasn't working so I could like average down, that never crossed my mind. I was like, I'm already losing. I don't want to add, you know, fuel to the fire here. So yeah, position sizing is super critical. I'm glad you brought that up. Because you're taking, it's so critical. Um, I, for me, it's the big determinant in my my success has been getting big on the right stuff and taking tons of paper cuts. Like I, my winning percentage, um, it could, I mean, it's not usually ever over 40%. So I know what you're talking about, man. Yeah. I take tons and tons of leg punches and paper cuts and ankle kicks or whatever. I mean, all the time, just tons of tries. Um, it, it's okay. I mean, that's, you just have to do that sometimes. And I mean, a lot of times I try to add like as it's working, um, I try to get in a little bit you know, when it's a little scary and as it's working, I'm adding. And then when it really goes, there's opportunities to retest and pull back and things like that. But another strategy I use, if I'm really sure that the first spot is pretty good, I'll trade it a lot bigger and then I'll dump half of it and buy myself that cushion and then just let the other half move more and maybe re-add those back later. And that's yeah. kind of like a lot of the stuff I used to do when I traded futures during the day. So I, I bring some of that with me in, in stocks, but yeah, it's a... Uh, the, the, what you do, I like that. You just, you're trying it out and you'll, you know, you, you send some soldiers in to see if they come home and, and then you go from there. Yeah. I think even, uh, Jesse Livermore in the, uh, what is it called? The, uh, reminiscences of a stock operator book. I think he even called it his pilot buy is what he would say. Yep. He's like, I want to get in. I want to make sure it's working. I want to feel it out. And I'm just going to add to it as it continues working for me. He didn't have so much of the structure of like how many, how many stock, how many shares would go in a, in a unit, things like that. But that's just how my mind works, right? I'm going to buy X number of units all the way up. Um, and, it, and once it doesn't work anymore, I'll get out. So yeah, yeah really, really cool, Brad. I, I, I love, see, you know, having the opportunity to, to interview so many people, um, you know, when, when I, when we have similar viewpoints, it's like, Hey, you know what? Maybe I'm on the right track. If all these other people are saying the same thing, I think I'm going the right direction, which is why I really appreciate that. Uh, I can be the conduit, like I said, for the audience out there. So they can hopefully put some of these, uh, you know, put two and two together as well. So Brad, this has been a fantastic conversation. I, 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 I feel like we could uh, do this a lot longer and maybe we need to have you back on. Cause I think we just sure. started here. Yeah. Um, There's probably a lot more to cover. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said earlier, it's uh, it's such a blessing that I get to, you know, call up my friends and talk to them about our, our favorite topic. So this is great. So I want to make sure that everyone, um, you know, after they finish this episode, don't do it before now, turns this off, heads over to uh, Brad's podcast, the Trading Life Podcast with Brad Jelinek. Uh, the easiest way to find that, Brad was telling me earlier, was just Google the Trading Life Podcast with Brad Jelinek. Any platform it's on to. Any, any platform. Spot, any, anything, Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever. 
He's a smart guy who uses Anchor, just like I do, for the uh, podcast broadcasting of it, which is so easy. Um, Anchor's pretty sweet. Dude, I got to tell you, like, Anchor came around about a month after I started my podcast, so I, I could compare the pain it was to set up RSS feeds and hosting and all that other junk, and then Anchor came on. It's like, click, record, upload, you're done. It just it's doesn't get simple. It's yeah. just a no-brainer. It's really nice. So, man, this was really great. I, I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk with us today. I, we covered so many topics. I'm going to have all those books you mentioned uh, linked down below. And Brad, really, thank you for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was really nice. Appreciate yeah. it. It was great meeting you and, and great having you on. And I you really too. appreciate uh, you guys turning into today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, and enable notifications. That way you never miss any of the tools, tips, and tricks we upload every single week to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you in the next episode. Okay, so what'd you think? That was pretty incredible, right? Now, if you like that, that's only a taste, only a sample of what you're going to find in the full AI stock trading system. And I really highly encourage you to go and check this out. Obviously, you are interested in learning and how to trade, and that's why you're listening to this podcast. Now, I'm going to take and download my entire trading system that I use day in and day out onto you. <laughs> and the only way I'm going to be able to do that is over at the AIStockTradingSystem.com. You're going to get phase one, two, and three, several bonuses. And on top of that, I'm going to walk you through over a dozen trades that I put on inside of my account, holding your hand and showing you exactly how I got in, how I got out, how I use the artificial intelligence data, and how this could work inside of your own trading portfolio on a daily basis. So make sure you head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com to learn more and to get started and to download my decade plus worth of trading experience into your hands so you can start using the AI Stock Trading System today, the five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading. Hey, if you like this video, let me know by leaving me a like below and then subscribe and share it with somebody you think could use it as well. Be sure to comment below with your biggest takeaway from this episode and any suggestions you have for future episodes. And finally, make sure you watch these other videos to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. TimMinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. TimMinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit TimMinuteStockTrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.